Wolf and Luke. It is time for, I believe, this is the first Suns three-pointer of the season. We're not even in the season yet. We're about a week away. We've got uh, one more preseason game to get through for the Phoenix Suns, and then it is officially the NBA season starting next Wednesday for them against Dallas. So, today's three-pointer, your three biggest questions heading into the season. You want to go first? No, you go first. All right, I'll go first. Whammo! Seven, Booker, and one. You shouldn't let me go first, because I'm going to take one I'm sure is on your list. But uh, I don't know how you avoid this as a question. I want to see how Max Money DA plays as opposed to the guy we've seen the first few years. Now, I will say this. I don't have a huge problem with the way DA has played about 70% of the time the first few years. I think he's made progress. He was a huge part of why they made it to the NBA Finals two years ago. He's a big part of this team. I'm not in the group of you got to get rid of him uh, after January 15th. If Kevin Durant's available, maybe we have a conversation. But I don't have to move on from D.A. But he's got room to improve. And as we said all offseason, Wolf, you never know how a guy's going to respond to getting that kind of money. Some of them, in fact, many of them are like, all right, I've made it. And they just kind of are who they are. If the Suns are going to win a title, they need D.A. to still be more than he's been. Yeah, that's a good one right there. So I'm going to go with you. My first point of Suns three-pointer base on audience is how different will DeAndre Ayton play, if at all, this season? Preseason is not regular season. I keep waiting for the relatively young DeAndre Ayton to understand why a dunk is always better than a finger roll. Why the ball belongs to you when it's on the glass. And why you should rip it down. And why his development in this regard makes the Phoenix Suns a completely different team. That's my first point of Suns 3 point. Played back 14-footer is two points. Dynamite. Before I get to my second one, I do want to play this. Did you hear the Nuggets PA announcer last night when they were introducing DeAndre Jordan? Yeah. Here we go. In that center from Texas A&M, number six, DeAndre Ayton! DeAndre Jordan! Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my. I love it. Look, I, we all call embarrassing. Yeah, any anybody who talks for a living is going to mess up. I get it. I'm sure by yes. laughing at this, I guarantee I say yes. something stupid in the next five minutes. It's not that he five messed minutes. up. Well, you know, I'll give, you two. <laughs> give myself a little leeway. Um, it's it, it's just the way it sounded. I, I give him all the credit in the world for being like DeAndre Ayton, and it echoes. <laughs> and he doesn't miss a beat. He's like DeAndre Jordan. That's brutal. <laughs> And DeAndre Jordan's reaction was, was maybe even better than the audio. <laughs> All right, my second question for uh, Suns three-pointer Wolf is, uh, is this roster done? And I asked that question knowing it's not done, but but how close to complete do they think this roster is? Probably still a trade to be made. How are you replacing JaVale McGee? Do you feel like you've already done that? And I'm talking more just in terms of the intangibles.
vocals with him. Have you added enough behind Chris Paul? Those are my, honestly, that's like three questions rolled into one. And probably my biggest question with this team is, is how have you gotten better? Is this roster done? Okay, that is uh, that is good right there. My second point of Suns three-pointer has got to be, will this team be as tough as they were last year? OJ Crowder, no JaVale McGee. Yes, Book is a smoldering fire. Yes, Chris Paul has an edge. But where will the physicality come from? Where will the toughness come from? Who will be the first one in and around the square off on the floor? Who will that be? Are they going to be as tough as they were last year collectively as a team? That's my second point of Sun's three-pointer. Three-pointer. That's just showing off right there. Right. Also, by the way, I already know how if James Jones were here, how he would answer my last, my previous question of is this roster done? He'd be like, well, Luke, the roster's never done in the NBA. We're always looking for ways to improve. <laughs> and uh, he'd be right. He would. He would. Uh, my final question for Suns three-pointer here on this Tuesday morning, Wolf, is what does happen with Jay Crowder specifically? It sounds like the Hawks are interested. It sounds like, uh, according to Shams, those sides of both, both the Suns and Hawks have been talking about this for a little while now. Pretty clear he's not going to be back on this team. But if I'm the Suns, I don't want to just have to give him away. So if there's if there's nobody interested because they all all the other teams think the Suns are going to have to get rid of him, then you know are you holding on to him? Is he is he on your roster but just missing games and you're getting nothing from him? Or can you get a piece back that helps you this year? Yeah. Ideally, it's that last option. Yeah, no, oh, that's a good one, man. You got good three pointer. No doubt. My third point of Suns three-pointer has got to be this. The bench. Who will pick up the slack coming off the bench for the Phoenix Suns? I mean, this is a question we all have right now. Cam Johnson is starting, so obviously he's not going to be coming off the bench. Who's going to be the sixth man? Will this bench be better than it was last year? Will it be stronger or weaker? That remains to be seen. And that's See the shots that I took, wet like I'm booked. All right, there you go. That was yeah. Suns three-pointer. And then we just followed up by saying this. In the center from Texas A&M, number six, DeAndre Ayton! DeAndre Jordan! It's the Echo. The Can echo. you imagine? The Echo gets me. And you know what else it is, Wolf? The Nuggets are the ones that put up that picture of Amir Coffee when they introduced Devin Booker a while back. Remember how Devin Booker was not happy about that? Yeah. So I feel right. like this was just sort of like... <laughs> This was this was gonna happen to the Nuggets after yeah, that. Yeah, man, I forgot about that though. Yeah, can you imagine how embarrassing that had to be? What's amazing is he didn't catch himself. DeAndre Ayton, Jordan, right? Like <laughs> that's what you would you would think. Yeah. He he carried the Ayton. I kind of like that he sold it and then just never missed oh. a beat. It was like <laughs> was... also known as DeAndre Jordan. Oh my goodness, can you imagine the horror when he realized the look on his face when he. Realized what he was saying. 
Oh, my. That's hard. All right. When we come back, back over to football, who on this roster is shouldering the responsibility for the Cardinals' bad starts? Something that has gone back to week 17 of last season. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All right, it is, I don't know if it's the biggest question around the Arizona Cardinals right now, Wolf, because there are a few. But, no pun intended, a lot of those questions start with this one. Why can't the Cardinals start a game strong? And I'd almost... I'd almost be willing to set the defense aside here for a second. Not like the defense has been great at the start of these games, but yeah, I don't think it would be noticeable. We wouldn't be sitting here saying, oh, the defense has been bad at the beginning of every game because they haven't been bad at the beginning of every game. They've gotten better as the games have gone on. I would give Vance Joseph credit for, uh, for adjustments at halftime. Those have been pretty noticeable this season. But really it is, why can't the Cardinals offense get going early in these games, especially because you're built around the offense. And it's not two games. It has maybe cost them two games this year, but we're going back to the playoff game last year. We're going back to the Seahawks game in week 18. Most of this team's issues, when you talk, always come back to the offense because that's your identity. And when your identity is offense, you tend to get out of the gate and put the other team on the ropes, not the other way around. Right. Um, Listen, Luke, can I just let me just say this quickly? Okay. It really is a team effort when you start a game. It really is a team effort right now. And I think if you go back and you look, the Arizona Cardinals defense has also gotten behind before they get better in a game. Now, they have. The, the halftime, no, it's, it has not been nearly as extreme. Yet, the halftime adjustments or adjustments through the middle of the second quarter, whatever it may be, that Vance Joseph and his staff are making, they're noticeable. And this defense does get better as the game unfolds. It has. So it's a combination. I, I think if you go back and look at it, the Arizona Cardinals after the first quarter, I think they, they haven't scored any points in the first quarter. I think they've been behind in every game in the first quarter. Yeah. And a lot of those drives, the possessions, hey, it was the first possession for a team to go down the field and actually get some points. I don't know how many of that, um, it, how how much of that, I should say, is is true. I want to say four times. Well, so so I'm just looking at the last, let's say, last three games, because obviously the defense played horribly against the Chiefs, and it did not start well against the Raiders. But, but like last week, okay, you're down 7 nothing to the Eagles at the first quarter. Yeah. At the end of the first quarter. Seven points to the undefeated Eagles. I, that okay. was their first possession. Yeah. It, no, you're right. Uh, Carolina was 0-0 after the first, but nobody could tell because everything just blended together. Okay, that's, that yeah, that's the one game I think that I'm talking about. The Rams game, the Cardinals did give up a field goal in the Rams' first possession. Yes. That was right after a block punt. So right. that was almost a win. Then they gave up a touchdown. You're right. They were down 10 nothing after the first. I guess where I would contend with that is even if the Cardinals' defense is starting, so like you said, they're making the adjustments, and it's all adding up to still only giving up 20 points a game. If the Cardinals' offense wasn't doing anything in the first quarter, yes. but was still putting up 38 points in the next three quarters, then I wouldn't care what they did in the first I just, quarter. I, but, but to me, again, we're talking about starts. So yes. I wanted to be fair on both sides. It's not like well, the defense... beat off each other, yeah. It's not, yeah, right. It's not like the defense has come out and been locked down 
and shut down at State Farm Stadium or anywhere it's for not that like matter. They're forcing a block punt and exactly. giving the Cardinals offense three exactly. yards. Exactly. Uh, you know how how blown away I am about this defense and excited about this defense because I think they're only going to get better, my brothers. I think they're only going to get better because of how many young guys are getting better and developing and growing right now. But having said all that, it has been the offense that has been the biggest disappointment of this season. I've been talking about it all offseason. The fact that this was going to be the strength of this team. The onus has been on the offense to go out and perform and play up to its talent level and produce. And it has not. And their starts have been right front and center in regard to this conversation. And you know who's been in the middle of all that? Is Kyler Murray. They go as Kyler Murray goes. And Kyler Murray, again, when you look at all four quarters and all five games, Kyler Murray's been the most consistent offensive player, I believe, on the team. Now, does that mean he's played well every quarter? No. Does that mean he started well? No, it does not. It just means overall, I think he's played more consistently than anyone else. Consistently great? No. Consistently good? No. Consistently solid? Yes. When you factor in the way he started with the way he finished. So, again, that's just my opinion on that. Having said that, though, you cannot deny Kyler Murray offensively is right in the center of their poor starts. Well, realistically, if you're gonna if you're gonna play the blame game that a lot of people seem to be playing, and you're really going to break this down, and you're going to say, is it everybody? Yeah, it's everybody. Is it more offense than defense? Yeah, you were built around offense, and you're not scoring at all in the first quarter. You're not scoring at all. You know, like oh, they're only getting three points a right. quarter. No, zero, literally across the board. So then it comes down to, okay, well, what's up with the offense? I would say, Wolf, to a certain extent, I'm going to set the offensive line aside. I think the offensive line has been pretty decent this year other than week one. I'm going to set them aside. So realistically, you are looking at two people. You're looking at your head coach because he's an offensive mind, and you're looking at your quarterback. And as much as I like Kyler Murray and I believe in the upside, especially when he is a threat to run of of him being a top 10 quarterback in this league, if you're making $230 million over the duration of your contract, shouldn't you be able to just march your team down the field seven minutes into the first quarter of a game against Carolina and score? I mean, otherwise... And I like Kyler Murray, I think, more than a lot of Cardinals fans do. But come on, man. Like, you got to score in the first quarter. Okay, but he's not trying to go out there and not score in the first quarter. I know, but he's not trying to to score. Do it. Um,. Receivers have got to get open. Offensive linemen have got to block. To me, this is this is all about how they come out and how they start. I, I don't want to come out and get Kyler Murray going. I'm not worried about that. You know what I want to see? I want my butt guts coming off the ball. And this is something that, once again, I get laughed at because I'm the old guy. Oh, you're the old man. I mean, whatever. You know what? I don't even care. I know it's true. And it is. Let the dogs eat. Let the butt guts come off the ball. Let them get out there and block. Run the ball. You know what? Honestly, what I'd love to see? Try this right here. Because you know you're struggling with your starts right now. Why not try this? Why not come out and just run the ball? 
Just say, you know what, the first the first possession, all we're going to do is run it until they stop us. <laughs> Unless we get a third and 12 or something like that. Do something we're going different. to run the ball until they stop us. We're going to we're going to line up and run it three times in a row. And if that moves the sticks, we're going to line it, we're going to run it again. Three times in a row. And if that moves the sticks, I can't even talk right now. We're going to line them up and we're going to run it again. You love the thought of running the ball I, nine I, times in a row. I'm just saying, why not do it? What, why not see what happens and does that start the offense? At this point in the first quarter of games at the Cardinals offense, it feels like you have nothing to lose. It really does. Like, you don't want to go out there and be stupid and, hey, we're going to run a triple reverse and flea flicker on the first. No, okay, that's not. No. First of all, what you've been doing has leaned more towards that than just running the ball consistently. But it really is. We laugh, Wolf. It really is the Costanza plan of if every instinct you have is wrong, the exact opposite must be right. I don't think every instinct the Cardinals have offensively is wrong. But in the first quarter, it sure seems to be. Man, I'd try anything. I would. I'd come on and I'd do something different. I'd engage my offensive line from the very beginning. I would challenge my offensive line as well. That's one of the reasons why I love a quarterback under center, base center means. Do you know why? Because it immediately puts the onus on your offensive line. Why do I say that? Because there's only a certain amount of plays you're going to run based on where that running back is and where your quarterback is under center. There's only a certain amount of plays you're going to run. You're either going to run the ball or you're going to run. You're going to use play action. That's what you're going to do. <laughs> and for me right now, I'm going to line up and say, "Let that dog eat," because the offensive line, the offensive linemen love that. Because they don't want to take a step back on every play, literally. They don't want every play to be a pass set. They don't. Come off the ball. Let these guys who love the physicality of the game engage in the physicality of the game. Man. I, I, I know that that is an old mentality. That is a traditionalist mentality. I'm still trying to recover from the part where you said you like it when a quarterback plays under center. Hold on, let me just write this down. This is <laughs> no breaking No, because news of what it does, it immediately says, "We're not going to try to trick you." Here we go. You know what's coming. It would be nice to see the Cardinals just go right through somebody like the Eagles did at the end of that game on Sunday. What the Eagles were doing and it ultimately won them the game. So I'm jealous of them for that. But I'm also jealous of the fact that they were just like, all right, we'll just run right through you. I mean, the Eagles just ran right through the Cardinals at the end of that game. They're running the exact same offense as the Arizona Cardinals as well. So they're 5-0. and Wait till they get to 7-0. and <laughs> we're, we're to the point where after that game and the fact that they're running the Cardinals offense and winning with it, I'm, I'm rooting against the Phillies in this baseball game on here. <laughs> and it's not working. They're up 4-1, by the way. Text us your thoughts to the Fandle text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Um... What is the NFL going to do about the roughing the passer penalties that are a joke? (laughs) More yelling. (laughs) It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, Wolf, it happened again last night. Raiders, Chiefs, Chris Jones, Zach's Derek Carr. Perfect Zach, nothing wrong with it. 
roughing the passer. Now, can I can I just jump in and say, not only was it a perfect sack, it was one of the best defensive plays I have ever seen. He got the sack, the strip, and the fumble. And because in he did all that, play. he also got the penalty because you can't touch a quarterback. And the motion to the ground and tried to actually brace himself yeah. when he came down with his left hand. Unbelievable play by Chris Jones. Uh, this was Joe Buck when they called roughing the. And, and I got to say, I got to set this up even more. You would think the NFL would have been a little more aware of this. After what I would say was even more of a joke on Sunday when uh, Grady Jarrett sacked Tom Brady in what was potentially a game-altering play in the fourth quarter to yes. get the ball back. And they were like, oh, you touched Tom. I'm sorry. That's yes. that's 15 yards. Yeah, you, know you, you threw him to the ground. Yeah. That one, I would say, was even more of a joke, the Atlanta game. But the one last night, maybe... We'll get the NFL to realize, hey, why is everybody making fun of us all the time? Oh, because you're roughing the passer penalty. It's a joke, and you don't know how to it enforce is a joke. it. So maybe because the one last night happened on a primetime game, a good game, that um, ultimately the outcome wasn't affected because the Chiefs did win. But come on, maybe this will spark some change. This was Joe Buck during the broadcast. I mean, at some point you have to be realistic with where the defensive player, what's he supposed to do? Disappear? I mean, he's there. The ball comes out. The ball's in his gut. And I don't know where he's supposed to go. He was talked about uh, at the end of yesterday's games because of the Grady Jarrett Tom Brady hit. Um, Teddy Bridgewater was taken out of the ball game uh, early in that one because of the eye in the sky saying they thought they might have seen a little bit of a stagger. So we're in new territory now with the way these quarterbacks are going to be protected in the wake of the Tua Tonga Vailoa situation. Okay, but here's the thing, Wolf. Right now, the NFL's got the worst of both worlds because you have Tua Tonga Vailoa stumbling around the field against Buffalo, and they're like, yeah, just get back in there. And then he gets really hurt four days yeah. later. Meanwhile, you're still making these idiotic calls. The, the, the Grady Jarrett tackle Tom Brady, what was Brady's quote? It was a long, unwelcomed hug from Grady. That yeah. was his quote. And because they were asking, Tom. they were asking Appreciate Brady about it, and Brady was finally like, "Look, man, I don't throw the flags." Yeah, right. <laughs> you just work the white hat, of well, course, sure which is the referee doing that. For and a while. the referee's job is to protect the quarterback. He's standing right there. And that's what his number one job is. Of course, he's going to officiate the entire game. But when it comes to the tactics of it, his job is the quarterback, period. And protecting that quarterback. And that's job one. Um, that was awful. Grady Jarrett and his sack on Tom Brady, that was bad. But this was even worse last night. With Chris Jones making one of the most, once again, incredible plays I've ever seen. The sack, the strip sack, and the fumble recovery, all as he's going to the ground on top of Derek Carr. I'll just do everything at once. What? what have you ever seen that? A strip sack that you're, you're going down to the ground in the ball? You take the ball from his arm. I've never seen I mean, it Chan- before. Chandler in my life. Jones, when he was in his prime here, was the the master of the strip sack. But I don't remember him ever also recovering it on the way to the on ground. the way to the ground. Yeah. That was it was incredible. And you know what? Twitter's reaction. You want to talk about the power of Twitter? Twitter's reaction was priceless. 
and it wasn't because of a bunch of fans that were angry, and there were a lot of fans that were angry, and rightfully so. But there were a lot of analysts that started weighing in. There were a lot of former great football players and great football coaches like Tony Dungy. And Tony Dungy is not one of these guys that walks right up to that line. (laughs) He is not. No. He's very, very conservative, and I love him for it. Tony Dungy came out and said, this isn't football anymore. When, When you've got a guy like Tony Dungy who doesn't say anything like this, doesn't walk up to that line, doesn't try to be controversial, when he says that... The NFL's got a problem because fans start saying that in their hearts. And their hearts are directly tied to their pocketbooks. Even Troy Aikman was uh, was critical of it. And that's a quarterback, right? The only reason I'm bringing him up specifically from different from anybody else is that is a quarterback who's, who said on the broadcast it, it's gotten to a, quote, ridiculous level, unquote. That's a quarterback saying that, a former quarterback, but a quarterback nonetheless. Micah Parsons, I don't know if you saw his tweet, but he has uh, a photo up on his Twitter account of he's basically getting, like, bent backwards by an offensive lineman. And he's like, well, we won't call this, but we'll call a roughing the passer. Can we focus in and protect defense? of players. Now, Wolf, he tweeted that six hours before the game yesterday. Wow. That was more in reference really? to the, the garbage over the weekend. Wow. And this didn't just happen this weekend. I'm going to play this clip here from Tim Hasselbeck because, again, he'll give you a quarterback perspective. He's saying we're seeing a spike in this as a reaction to the Tua injury. What Todd Bowles said is generally accurate. You know, if you look at the Tua hit, look, he slammed down to the ground, and it was ugly, and I think a lot of people immediately were concerned about Tua's health. Look, I'm not saying it's exactly like that, because it was not. It was not nearly as violent. But it's hard for these officials to kind of decipher the difference between, you know, the Tua, you know, Tua getting slung to the ground and Brady getting slung to the ground. So do I think it should have been roughing the passer? No. No, I do not. But I also think, like, to the official's eye and how things are being officiated, to Todd Bowles's point, I think the officials are going to err on the side of throwing a flag there than letting that play go. Yeah, look, I mean, the two hit once. I went back and looked at that. It was a lot worse the second time around. The first time it happened, I was more caught up in Tua's reaction uh, in the Cincinnati game last uh, Thursday or you know, two Thursdays ago. But the, um, the bottom line, Wolf, is... To sack the quarterback, you have to put him on the ground. So you can't penalize the guy every time he puts the quarterback on the ground. That is literally his job. The overreaction right now, honestly, is, okay, make it reviewable. Do it. Make it reviewable. Every, yeah, okay, you can challenge that right there. Um, boy, that seems like a good way to go. Make it reviewable as to whether or not his intent was, well, they don't want to do that. Because not only is it really going to lengthen the game a lot, okay, but I also think it's a situation where they 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 never want to go out there and try to mitigate or control a player's intent. They have always said for the longest time they can't discern if his intent was to actually injure somebody on the play. I think you can actually look at it and do it. I think That's just the, me. In the extreme cases, and we've seen two now in the last 48 hours, extreme cases, 
Like if you if you allow that to be reviewable, it's not like you're giving. I'm, I'm not giving the coaches an extra two challenges a game. Hey, these are your special roughing the passer challenges. No, it's just one. It's it's you don't get any more challenges if you choose to use it on this because it was such a bad call. Go ahead. I don't I don't understand the self implemented rules that the NFL will put in front of itself of well you can challenge this but you can't challenge this. We've seen two plays that make your league look ridiculous in the last 48 hours and there's an easy solution to a certain ex- a relatively easy solution. Like there's not a clear cut this I get this is a complicated uh, issue, but in those two particular plays if you could just challenge it, there's no way those both wouldn't have been overturned. Just honestly, just adopt the mentality that you can hit the quarterback how about that? Well, you've never been able to hit Brady. I mean, let's... let's Just, you can hit the quarterback. Unless how about that? That's, yeah. Uh, Arizona goes primetime next week as the Phoenix Suns tip off their NBA season against the Dallas Mavericks. And the Arizona Cardinals take on the New Orleans Saints for Thursday night football. So we're giving you the chance to experience both of those games in person. Just text primetime to 62620. Listen for your name starting next Monday for your chance to win two tickets to both games. Plus, one lucky winner each day is going to win their choice of a Devin Booker jersey or a DeAndre Hopkins jersey. It's a pretty good deal. So text primetime to 62620 when we come back. What do you expect from Josh Okogie this season for the Phoenix Suns? We'll get into that next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Wolf and Luke Middays, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Over to basketball, this uh, story came out yesterday, Wolf. We got to it a little bit uh, in the midst of the Big Red Monday we had going on at, at the Cardinals training facility in Tempe. But it's worth bringing back up here because it is Shams talking about where Jay Crowder could potentially land if the Suns, and it sounds like they will, ultimately trade him. Sources tell me the Hawks have emerged as a suitor among interested teams in Suns forward Jay Crowder. The Hawks and Suns have had conversations in recent weeks and months, I'm told, as Atlanta has seen if there's a pathway to bring Crowder into a big three of Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and John Collins. Several teams have been engaged on a potential deal for Crowder, who remains away from the Suns as both sides work on a resolution for his future. It makes sense. You know, it's not the only place that makes sense, but if I'm Atlanta, it would make sense to have Jay Crowder, who's been to the finals a couple times. He Shams just mentioned the big three they have there now with Trey Young, Jonte Murray, and uh, and and John Collins. You bring in Jay Crowder as a supplemental yeah. piece. He is, you know, he's able to do that at least. Yeah, you know, I I can totally understand their interests in that regard. I'd be interested in Jay Crowder as well, and that's the reason why I'm going to come back and say, I hope Jay Crowder reconsiders. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm still interested I, in Jay Crowder. Actually. I, you know, I, I gave it a 2.9% chance, 2.9% chance that Jay Crowder might be coming back. And then all of a sudden that went to 0% <laughs> because I was listening to Jay Crowder. Yeah, and some of the things Jay that. Crowder was doing via his Twitter feed. And now I, I'm just hoping somehow, some way, that the light will go on in the shed, and somehow Jay Crowder is actually coming back and will come back and be a Phoenix Sun, even though that's wishful thinking, most likely. Yeah, um, and you said this a couple weeks ago, 
the culture is so big to the Suns, and I'm not saying that there's zero percent chance they could work it out with Jay Crowder and be like, "Look, dude, we've got you know we've got three trade offers for you, but you're not going to start on any of those teams either. So is it just that, or is it something else?" Uh, I'm not saying that they couldn't work it out and him be like, "If I'm not going to start, I'd rather stay here anyway. Like I'm not going to start anywhere." But it sort of feels like that ship has sailed. And when culture is as big to James Jones and Monty Williams and this team, do you really want a guy here if he doesn't want to be here? You know, that would kind of fly in the face of what we've seen from this team the last couple of years. Now, you could make the case, does DeAndre Ayton want to be here? But I think DeAndre Ayton does. I think he just kind of sometimes you need to show him a little more love. And I think that's going by the wayside. As I said earlier, I think Monty Williams is like, that time has passed. We give you $133 million. That's us showing you we appreciate Yeah. But but I just Jay Crowder's been pretty outspoken about not wanting to be here for the last three months. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you still yeah, want to back? Don't you? <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting here as we're talking about it. I'm sorry. I'm thinking if there's one guy, if there's one guy that might be able to reach Jay Crowder, it's not Monty Williams. It isn't. It's not Chris Paul. It's not Devin Booker. It's James Jones. If there was one guy that would be able to appeal to him. If he wants and, to. And say, exactly. Just talk some sense into him. I would say it'd be James Jones. Well, James Jones could definitely talk to him in the sense of, this was my role on great teams where I wasn't one of the three best players, but I still played a Jay, role. Jay, you're transitioning right now, Jay. You have to recognize it. You either have to recognize it and embrace it or be out of the league sooner than you should be. Yeah. Honestly, that is the question that Jay Crowder has got to answer for himself. Is he willing to do that? Is he willing to embrace it? It's not like he hasn't done it before. No. He has. Maybe he's just feeling like, you know what, in my older age, older, I said, in my older age, um, I'm not willing to come off the bench. I, I'm a starter. Or I'm going to retire. That that's the way that it's going to go. Maybe that's what he said in his head. I don't know. But um, man, I honestly feel like if there's one guy that could reach him and talk some sense into him, it would be James Jones. And I think Jay Crowder respects that. Will it happen? I doubt it. Well, and I think some of it is what's the market like? I mean, if I'm James Jones, it's a lot easier to go to Jay Crowder and say, look, dude, like I said, anywhere we're going to trade you, you're going to be coming off the bench. Now, we don't know, Wolf, if there's more to it than that. If it, But it sure sounds yeah, like right. it is simply Cam Johnson is right. going to start, and I think I'm still a starter. Um, it sounds like that's what it is, though. That it is, does. Yeah. It sounds like that's but it. But what happens now, in a week when the You and I both starts, reacted when we heard it saying, no, there had to be something I, more. I kind of hope there's both more. Did, right. Honestly, like you're really going to just leave after right. everything because you're, you're going to play right. two less minutes a game? Jay, what are you doing? Um, I, yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I, I want to know what happens now a week from now if if he hasn't been traded. Okay, the Suns starting the season against Dallas. Jay, yeah. Jay's just at home. Yeah, he's just not playing. That's worse than playing two or three less minutes a game. As we're talking about, I'm waiting for the breaking news sounder. Breaking news be, sounder typically. Oh yeah. Good. No, I mean honestly, if we get it, yeah. it's Jay. Well, yeah, I, I, that's true. Now that you said, we it. should play that game now. Of like, what is the most likely breaking news <laughs> we're going to hear in the next week? It's a Jay Crowder. Look, everybody, it's Jay Crowder. He just got traded. Uh, I want to bring up this guy Wolf because I think in some ways, I think two things about the, the the player I'm about to bring up. 
I think he could be a secret weapon for the Suns this season, a guy that hasn't been talked about a lot, that isn't going to steal a ton of headlines, but I think could really play a big role, especially in like a seven-game series. Like a pivotal role, not not a flashy role. Okay. That's, that's point one on this guy. Point two, I think he's going to become one of your favorite players on the team. And that is Josh Akogi. Josh Akogi. Who is, who is the one guy that they have added this offseason where I'm like, okay, I, I could see a role this guy could play for this team. What role do you see him playing for this team? He, because I see him doing one thing and one thing only. Well, what's the one thing you see Slide him doing? Slide the glove on and shut somebody that's, down. That's the role they want him okay, to play. So and I think he can it, do right it. There. Yeah, And I tell you, he was, uh, what was he, the 18th pick a couple years ago, 20th pick a couple years ago. Um for Minnesota, and Minnesota has not been the model of stability over the last few years. So we have seen firsthand with the Suns, when you're switching coaches every year or every half of a year, what that does for your young players' development. And we've seen the other side. Now that you have Monty Williams and that stability, we're seeing players actually develop here. Josh Akogi, and I just, this is a quote from uh, Kellen Olson's story up on ArizonaSports.com today. Said uh, he, he, he flat out said, like, well, yeah, the, the constant change in Minnesota made it tough. He, his quote was, uh, you haven't really established yourself, so you're always changing your game, changing how you think, and it's hard to play free because each coach is kind of demanding something different. Then you're trying to fit into different roles, different philosophies, unquote. And he wasn't, he, he said good things about Minnesota, but I think that's an honest thing, Wolf. You're a young player, he's been in the league for like three-ish years now, and uh, and he had to kind of keep restarting in Minnesota. Yeah. I think they might be able to get something out of him here. It's going to be really interesting to see because he's 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 built, man. I mean, he's a specimen at 6'4", 213 pounds. He's got a little chunk, if you know what I mean. He got a little chunk going. Not only that, he's super athletic. And it was funny because the article... Uh, that Kellen wrote, he was talking about Monty Williams comparing him to Bo Jackson yeah. <laughs> with his thighs. <laughs> All right. So the guy, once again, has got a little, he's got some great athleticism. The problem has been in this new positionless league for Josh Akogi, the problem has been he can't shoot the three. He's right around 27%. I believe, yeah, he's, for his three point percentage, and that's that's just that's rough. He's uh, not going to be much of a shooting threat, but like you said, maybe he just goes out there in key moments and just shuts a guy down. And um, you already have Mikel Bridges, <laughs> so if you have two guys like that to go yeah. out and shut somebody down, right? And obviously, Mikel, you're asking to do a lot more in addition to that. But there's another good quote in that story from Kellen of of Monty Williams saying, you know, one point in scrimmage, Mikel and Nakogi just looked at each other and were just like, just kind of a nod of how they were going to play defense What's together. Up? Just like unspoken and then just shut down whoever they were defending. You know who I'd love? How about Ish in a Kogi? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Ish, Ish and a Kogi sounds like Ish a, and a, Kogi. a series on Netflix or something. But it'd be like a cooking show. Coming up next, we're going to take you through the top stories of the day. Wolf and Down Your Lunch is right around the corner. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.